Welcome to Biblio Observatory, a new series of South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I am Yvette Villarreal, Biblio Observatory hostess. And I am Caroline Smith, the Inclusive Services Consultant at the South Carolina State Library. This is a special transmission from Columbia, South Carolina, to explore the universe of books and stories that people treasure from their childhood and how those stories define the lives of people touched by them. Today, we're excited to have a special guest. Juan Felipe Herrera is here for the Young Minds Dreaming Poetry Celebration at the South Carolina State Library. Mr. Herrera served as the 21st Poet Laureate of the United States from 2015 to 2016 the first Latino to hold the position, and he is the author of more than 30 books. It's a privilege to have you here with us today. Thank oh, thank you. you. Thank, thank you very you much. Thank you for being with us today. Oh, I, I thank you. It's, this is great. Thank you. And can you tell us a little more about yourself, and what would you like our listeners to know about you? Uh, you know, I just uh, want to thank everybody once again. Uh, well, I, I, uh, I'm a son of a, a migrant family, and an only child, and I finally met my um, second family uh, just uh, 2010, uh, brother and, uh, si- and two sisters. Mm-hmm. And I've always been in the arts and always been uh, concerned with uh, la comunidad, uh, with el pueblo, and doing the best I can uh, with poetry, art, theater, performance, and a- activism through as many ways as possible. So that's, that's uh, really what I'm all about. I've been doing all this since um, probably 1960, 1967, 68 to, to this very moment. Can you tell us a little bit more about your childhood? Oh, my childhood was, was, uh, was cool because w- when I was a child, even though we didn't have any resources, uh, we just had a sartén, a frying pan, a little tiny stove, a stufa, and a trailita, a little trailer that my father built out of pieces of wood on top of an old car he found on a hill. Uh, but uh, he did that so uh, the house could have wheels on it, and therefore he could pull it on a, with an army truck, a giant green uh, army truck that he, I think he must have uh, uh, got it at, at the Fort Bliss <laughs> Army Supplies Auction, I imagine. Because both of my parents also uh, were in El Paso and, uh, and Las Cruces. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that's kind of uh, my, my start. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then time passed on and working in the fields. My parents always working in the fields while I was just kind of playing with bugs on the, on the mud because I was a little kid and finally went to school. Uh, and when I went to school, uh, it was, that was it for them because they were no longer in the fields, they were in the city. And then I began uh, school uh, only knowing um, uh, Spanish. Mm. So then it became a challenge, and it's a similar challenge that uh, a lot of children today, migrant children, face Mm -hmm. to this very day. And that's how I began, and things began to change uh, once I I, I began to apply uh, the magic that my mother uh, passed on to me, uh, stories and words rhymes and riddles and performance that she used to do just in a little tiny trailer and uh, chistes and jokes uh, and stories most of all uh, from uh, her beginning about her beginnings mm-hmm. and my father's beginnings and the beginnings of my fam- family at large all that I got through through my mother 
And then I just, it was all a matter of uh, uh, putting that in the garden and uh, let, letting the flowers grow. Did you have any favorite stories from that time <laughs> that really shaped um, your life in the future? Well, you know, uh, they all, they all, sh- they all, all the stories that my mother told me and uh, the ones that I, uh, that my father talked about, which were fewer, much, uh, they were just f- a handful of stories. And my mother always gave me uh, stories, stories, stories every day, every day, forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think the, the one of the root ones, one of the key ones, uh, happens to happen to have a photo right mm-hmm. here that. Uh, from the book uh, 187 Reasons Mexicanos Can't Cross the Border which came out uh, 2007 I think mm-hmm. uh, and I put it in here because I, I, I uh, you know I wanted to bring the photos of my family out in my books not just words and things out of my head but honor them with their, with their photographs and this happens to be a really tiny tiny piece of uh, zinc or steel or metal that looks like a black and white negative. You can barely see the images on it, and but it does have images, and it's the image of my mother when she was, um, I don't know, maybe 12 years old, and my aunt, who was probably around 14, and they were living in a tiny uh, barrio within a giant barrio. The giant barrio is Tepito in Mexico City, and the micro barrio, which is part of it, is called was called El Niño Perdido, and now it's changed names, and it's called El Campo Florido, mm-hmm. 2019. So that photo, my mom would show me this photo, and I would look at it and look at it every day, every day, forever, until this very day right now, except it's a print. Mm-hmm. And I would look at my mom and see how young she was and how um, and thin she was, and my aunt, and the kind of look they have in their eyes, and the cracked uh, aspect of the of the photo and the harsh life they lived. And then this gives me the sense of where they began and then their journey to uh, Juarez, uh, Chihuahua, and then El Paso, Texas, and then California. And then I was born in California. So it's kind of my beginning too. So that's it means a lot to me. Uh, the beginning of my mother, uh, my mother's uh, as a child, and how she... Uh, she may look thin and she may look like she's hungry and she may look like she's poor, but it took a lot of courage and bravery and spirit and strength and pioneering to make it from that little barrio within the giant barrio in Mexico City all across Mexico to Juarez and to survive in Juarez without anything with her mother and her sister, uh, Lela, my aunt, and then cross the border and find a place uh, in El Paso to do the same and survive again and go to school as best as she could and live uh, the best life she could in a small, tiny barrio once again, El Segundo Barrio, uh, uh, Second Ward, El Segundo Barrio, and uh, El Paso. And then later on, it was my turn to put it all together. Mr. Herrera, uh, from all those stories, that your mother told you when you were very little, probably very so little that you might have difficulties to um, tell us how old you were. Do you remember 
those stories that you loved the most or they stay in your heart? Well, you know, since we're going to go further back, I would have to say uh, my mother's first stories really were, were, uh, were songs. The stories kind of came after the songs. When I was a little child, who knows, uh, maybe I was, I, I know I was younger than four, but for the moment, let's say four, because I think I can remember when I was four. Uh, she would sing songs, you know. Uh, uh, what does that go? Mm. Something about Ya me voy al rancho. Adios mi chaparrita. Adios mi chaparrita. Que ya se va tu pancho. Más allá del rancho. Y muy pronto volverá. So it kind of goes like that. Y, um, was I talking in Spanish or in English? <laughs> 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 what, what, what language was I talking in? What's going on here? <laughs> there's three of us. And there's Spanish, there's English. And, uh, and then I'm trying to go. I went <laughs> further back this time. And there was that song. It was La Cancion, uh, Las Canciones. The songs were first. And the songs represented, uh, represented a story. They were pieces of a story. Can you remember how did you feel during those moments when your mom was singing to you? Oh, I felt really, I felt, I felt uh, like I was uh, very intimately uh, related to her uh, because it was uh, a song. She was singing, and she was singing to me a song that uh, was important to her. <laughs> and it was an interesting song because um, it was about saying goodbye uh, to, uh, to, uh, to her, in this case, or to a woman, that, that uh, her, uh, her loved one, her, her, her Pancho, <laughs> uh, was going to leave um, beyond the rancho, más allá del rancho, but one day was going to come back. And and that's that sounds kind of like basic and uh, pretty simple, but it really was a story of uh, her life, my father's life, and my life. Because my father would always have to leave to go to work or to leave because he was um, he was a traveling man. He was just born to 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 go and find work or to to find uh, new horizons and and then my mother was uh, more like taking care of me so then we kind of stayed and when we stayed together and my father would leave and maybe he'd come back uh, maybe in three months maybe in six months maybe in a year and uh, or maybe we didn't know so there was a kind of a, a lot of feelings in that one song, mm -hmm. and for me, it uh, it kind of describes who I am, mm -hmm. because I'm also always traveling, I'm also always gone, and I'm also uh, saying goodbye, a lot, and then returning. Uh, so that's the life of the uh, writer, the life of the poet, the life of the poet that takes on. 
writing for the community, visiting communities, leaving home, finding new homes, and meeting new people, and coming back home. So I was visiting my newfound sisters uh, who live in a rancho mm-hmm. uh, and coming back to the city. So it's all those things. So that's a, that's a key moment when my mother's, my mother's first songs that I remember, uh, her voice and, and, her, and who she was, who I was, and where we were in a little tiny trailer in a little tiny town somewhere. Uh, and I had her and she had me. And, we had to, and she had to figure out how we both uh, were going to survive. Uh-huh. Thank the you for comfort, sharing that. The comforting voice. Uh, com- com- yeah, that's right. From somebody who loves you. That's unconditional. <laughs> that's in right. a very difficult time. That's what it was. <laughs> for our listeners and children and communities who are listening out uh, to us right now, that message. It's powerful. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a true message. And uh, uh, I was reading recently, uh, just the other day, because I wrote a foreword uh, to a book of uh, migrante youth uh, from uh, Mount Vernon, Washington, who are all pretty, um, uh, they're pretty uh, adept in the blueberry picking world, because the blueberry is what grows in abundance in that area, mm-hmm. in Seattle, in northern Seattle. And they all have gone through such difficult things. Uh, parents been uh, apprehended at their own house and pulled out and never uh, never to be seen again or not knowing where they were taken. Uh, they had to survive uh, with their mothers. Uh, and, and then maybe their father would return five years later or 10 years later and they were different, they weren't the same child anymore. Uh, leaving, returning, being forced out, separated families, deported families, and trying to find their parents, or the father in this case, in Mexico, and they didn't know where to look, or in Central America, didn't know where he was. And the mom staying behind, trying to uh, eke out a, a, a life for, for their children. Uh, so uh, that's uh, that's what these stories are about in this book uh, that that'll be coming out of Mountain mm-hmm. Vernon. I think it's called Underground Under Underground Writing a Group, something like that. Uh, so right, this this early song that I, that I remember is still true, like you say. Can you share with us some of the uh, stories when you were older, a little older, that you like the most? A little older that I like the most? Uh, I think that would be the stories, uh, uh, they, they either would be the stories that my mom would tell about my uncle Roberto, Roberto Quintana, when he joined the, um, uh, the comedy group uh, that w- was built around the first radio station built in the late 20s in El Paso, uh, La Radio XJ uh, in uh, Juarez. <laughs> <laughs> and what happened with Radio XJ was that um, it uh, created a, 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 a call, put out a call for artists. Necesitamos aquí gente que sabe cantar, poetas y danzantes. 
You know, we need, you know, we need uh, actors, we need poets, singers. Los que están allí, por favor, llegan acá este sabadito. Vamos a tener aquí una presentación de las nuevas voces. So they were going to have an audition. Uh, and all, everybody got excited in el barrio, in los barrios de, de Juárez. And they wanted to go, especially the, the, the girls. Because they wanted to sing and they wanted to dance. And the mothers wouldn't let them. No, hasta... Tú te vas a quedar aquí en la casa barrer. ¿Cómo que radio? What are you talking about? You're not going to go anywhere, Cuca. And, uh, and I met Cuca, who worked with my uncle in that, in that radio world. And my mother didn't know that story, but I found out that story because somebody found that I had spoken about my uncle, Roberto Quintana, being in the show called El Barco de la Ilusión, The Ship of Illusion, which was a comedy show, part of part of a larger programming uh, uh, on XJ where my uncle performed and Kuka and her sister Eva Aguirre performed. So I found Kuka in her 90s when she was in her 90s and she performed with my uncle when she was 16. So I finally m made it to the source. Uh, but all that was part of the stories that my mother told me about. No, tu tío, él se iba allá a XJ y allí era parte de un teatro que estaba en el radio, se llamaba El Barco de la Ilusión. Y Tintan ahí también era parte del show. So my mother would tell me that my uncle was involved in the Barco de la Ilusión mm -hmm. thing. I didn't, know what, I didn't know what that was. And that Tintan, the, uh, the uh, Mexican actor, comedian, singer, came out. I didn't know what he had to do with that program, but he was on that program too, El Barco de la Ilusión, with my tío Roberto Quintana, but I had no idea what it was until many, many, super many, many years later, I made contact with Cuca Aguirre, who used to be part of that show, and she told me the rest of the story. But Tintan, very, very, very well-known, mm -hmm. appreciated, and loved in all over Latin America. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> Those were fun, fun <laughs> shows. Yes. I <laughs> love that you are bringing him Girl into Tintan. the present time. <laughs> That's awesome. Germán Valdez, Tintan. Well, my uncle named him. My uncle Roberto named him. And uh, one day, Tintan, these, these were all young people. Cuca was 16. Well, my uncle was 30. So he was an old guy. But my Cuca uh, was 16, Cuca Aguirre, and her uh, sister was uh, probably 17, Eva Aguirre. And they both were great singers and dancers and actors on the shows, in the radio, radio show, radio mm -hmm. drama, radio theater. And there's a big story there. It could go on because I, 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 I began to put it together because the actors from Mexico City would pass through Juarez and perform. And they performed at XJ and XP, another radio station because of the big giant super radio, those different programming units. So, so Agustin Lara, Pedro Infante, all the people passed through there. Um, Pedro Vargas, they all passed through XJ and knew the group that my uncle was part of that worked for, um, for the radio station and created many shows, and Cuca and Eva, uh, which were all poets. They were all poets too. So anyway, th that small story that my mother told me about uh, my uncle Roberto Quintana working in XJ as a comedian and kind of a, a co-conspirator with Tintan and doing comedy. Pues aquí tenemos a Tintan. 
Y aquí su servidor, Roberto Quintana, en el barco de la ilusión. Bueno, ¿cómo la ves, Tintán? ¿Cómo, cómo va la cosa? Y Tintán responde. Y Tintán dijo a Eva, cuando estaba hablando con Eva, I mean, Cuca, en 2010, el año 2010, y Cuca dijo, I said, well, how did you, how did you know about Tintán? Uh, I mean, what happened? And one thing that Eva Cuca uh, told me, Um, was that one day Tintan, Tintan came, you know, was hanging out in Juarez and came to the radio station to do the show. And Tintan um, uh, uh, said, said to Cuca, Cuca, uh, yeah, ¿qué te pasa? What's going on? Uh, guess what happened? I said, well, what, hap what, what happened? Cuca uh, asked Tintan. Uh, Well, I was down, you know, down in the, down there in the street, and I went into one of the clubs. You know how we always go to the clubs. Yeah, of course we do. Uh, so what's what happened? And then and, and Tintan said, "No, because I was hanging out, and some of the guys were there, you know, from the barrio, and and you know they were dressed up really strange. They had long pants, flappy pants, and big old hats on, and uh, and they were talking really groovy, like different ways of speaking Spanish mixed up with English." And, and they call themselves Pachucos. And, and you know what? And you know what, uh, Cuca? Pues que, what, que, que, que me está diciendo? From now on, Cuca, I want to be a Pachuco too. <laughs> and that's where Tintan discovered himself. Because he was known for his Pachuquismo. He was known for his Pachuquismo, his zoot suit and his way of talking, Pachuco talk. Well, that happened all in Juarez and Pachuco town and border town and um, and one day he he got he became aware of this new youth group this new youth uh, uh, generation of Mexicanos mm -hmm. turned Pachucos suit suitors self-made with their own way of talking and, and Tintan just he blew his mind and he came running to Cuca and told mm -hmm. her that from that day on He was going to be a pachuco, and indeed he mm. became one. But he became a worldwide pachuco and an actor once he once he left XJ and got discovered by one of the promoters of the movie uh, produ production studios in Mexico City, mm. and they and he went. And then Tintan said to Michael, "Mira, vámonos, Beto, come on, you can make it down here. It's, I'm having a great time. We're making some movies." And no, Michael just didn't go because he had eight children, so. <laughs> he wasn't about to take off. <laughs> it wasn't going to work out. So uh, just a little short story that my mom told me. I Later on, I found a thread and, and got mm -hmm. deeper into the story. And it became the story of uh, the first post-Mexican Revolution generation on the border and how they uh, uh, expressed kind of an explosive creative energy as singers, dancers, actors, comedians, Uh, composers, songwriters. Uh, the women were songwriters. Cuca and Eva were songwriters. Mm -hmm. And Miguel Aceves Mejia was in that group, another songwriter. And that great group of artists. And I discovered that uh, what they did back in the early 30s mid to the 40s uh, influenced the rest of the... <coughs> The rest of oh, I'm choking. The rest <laughs> of the Latino Latino artists uh, in the 21st century. How those memories and those stories 
help you as a Californian child growing up in a migrant location? That, that's an interesting one. I think it was more like uh, it was just inside of me. It's like being given uh, power, power tools, and you have them in your hands. You don't know what they are, but, but you keep them, and you don't know what they are or how to use them. Because these were amazing stories, mm-hmm. but I just, I just didn't know why, uh, what, why they were Im- important or significant. Like, oh yeah, it's my, you know, aquí se jota, el barco de ilusión, Juarez radio. That's about it. But I didn't know that this was uh, the beginnings of a 20th century, 20th century uh, uh, new way of uh, thinking of, of creating a, an artistic movement. Uh, a radio comedy drama movement and the, the prominence of women that, that were played in this Cuca Aguirre and Eva Aguirre songwriters dancers and singers uh, who however had their uh, album locked up mm-hmm. and never to be opened mm-hmm. in a vault so th- there's 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 uh, there's a tragedy involved too and how they kept on and kept on writing songs through the 60s uh, as, uh, as, as they had their families. And even Eva had a, one of her songs uh, recorded by the, uh, the preludes of El Paso. Kind of preludes were like early uh, Mexican or mm-hmm. Chicano rockers <laughs> in El Paso. So they still continued uh, even singing in restaurants, but they, weren't, they never had their original work when they were, they, when they were made out of gold as singers, mm-hmm. when they had out full power, uh, creativity, and they were popular throughout the throughout that region, they never had that work put on a disc and distributed. Because uh, the producer, um, as Kuka told me, locked up locked up their work and never to be released. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of learning mm-hmm. in that story. That influenced again everything that they did. I see it as influencing. Uh, uh, the kind of art that we see today uh, by uh, Latina actors and uh, and uh, artists and writers and poets. They were the first poets of the 21st century, by the way. No, 20th century. Right there. It all begins with a little story that my mom told me. <laughs> well, we have a favor to ask for you. Um, before we end our interview, would you mind sharing with us um, the story Imagine so that our listeners, especially our visually impaired and blind listeners, can experience that story? Sure, I'd love to do that. This is my latest book for children. It's called Imagine, and uh, it's illustrated by Lauren Castillo, who did the artwork, uh, the illustrations uh, with her hands, Hmm. not really using paintbrushes. Uh, She kind of rubs the colors on on a canvas and then does fingerprints, uses fingerprints and palm prints. And it's hard to notice, but if you look up close, you'll see see some fingerprints and you'll see some uh, kind of of, uh, work she did with her hands on the particular kind of paper or canvas she was using. And in the front cover, there's a picture of a child uh, in the evening uh, with uh, the full moon really shining uh, brightly 
at, uh, and covering him with light, moonlight, as he stands up uh, uh, wearing a pair of uh, overalls, uh, looking way up there into the sky. And below him, uh, below that uh, mountain or hill or sierra, there's a lake and a city, and you can see its lights twinkling. And next to the child is a tree uh, that's half half kind of barren and half uh, flourishing. Uh, the leaves are uh, lighting up like little diamonds or little diamond butterflies. And that's that child looking up there, way back on a hill uh, over a city at that moon shining its light and uh, perhaps be imagining something. And uh, we don't know what it is, but as the book goes, perhaps that, that imagination comes to light. And uh, it begins in this manner. If I picked chamomile flowers as a child in the windy fields and whispered to their fuzzy faces, imagine. If I let tadpoles swim across my hands in the wavy creek, imagine if I jumped up high into my papi's army truck and left our village of farm workers and waved adios to my amiguitos. Imagine if I let the stars at night paint my blanket with milky light with shapes of hungry birds while I slept outside. Imagine what you could do if I helped mama feed the hopping chickens and catch the crazy turkey in the front yard of our new village. Imagine if I walked through the evening forest at the top of a mountain with a silvery bucket to fetch water from the next town. Imagine if I moved to the winding city of tall, bending buildings and skipped to a new concrete school I had never seen. Imagine if I opened my classroom's wooden door not knowing how to read or speak in English. Imagine if I practiced spelling words in English by saying them in Spanish like Pencil for pencil. Imagine if I collected gooey and sticky ink pens because I loved how the ink flowed like tiny rivers across soft paper. Imagine if I grabbed a handful of words I had never heard and sprinkled them over a paragraph so I could write a magnificent story. Imagine if I stood up in a school far away from where I lived and sang for the first time in front of class, imagine if I started to write a poem on a skinny paper pad after school as I walked on the wide sidewalk and then finished it when I got home. Imagine if I picked up my honey-colored guitar and called out my poem every day until it turned into a song. Imagine if I gathered many words and many more songs 
with both of my hands and let them fly over my mesa and turn them into a book of poems. Imagine if I stood up wearing a robe in front of my familia and many more on the high steps of the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C., and read out loud and signed my poetry book like this, Poet Laureate of the United States of America. Imagine what you could do. And and that's 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 a that's the that's that's the <laughs> that's the poem in the book that turns into a story, mm -hmm. like a story poem. And it was fun to write because uh, it all kind of came to me in one 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 starburst of uh, inspiration. And I had a legal size uh, uh, yellow paper writing pad, and I just started to write it and write it and write it until I got to the end. I think I knew where I was headed. But I had to get there, and I knew some of the scenes that I wanted to put there, but I, I wasn't—I had no idea what I was going to say. And then I—and then I wrote it. I think I wrote it like an hour, hour and a half, max. Yeah. And I could have written it differently, but <laughs> that's how it came out. Imagine, yeah. Poets and words. So close, attached together, <laughs> and the radio broadcasting world is about words and people who can transmit a universe and an universe of meaning through a microphone. How magic is that? <laughs> uh, that is that is the magic. That is the magic. You know, when we're uh, uh, always moving, uh, and we're children uh, growing up, and we're always moving, uh, as beautiful as the landscape is, uh, and as much as we love our life, uh, and as difficult as it is, uh, there really is only one place to go. And, and that is the world of imagination because we see so many things. We're always on the road. We're always moving. Uh, and we're b our imagination every day is getting stronger and deeper and wider and richer. And, uh, but we don't, what, what are you going to do with it? Where does it go? So, so it's good to uh, let that imagination out. And there's a lot to be said. And that's why our, our familias migrantes are so uh, filled with so many treasures and so important because they have many stories to tell. And they're big stories and they're funny stories and they're incredible and uh, deep stories. And they're stories of tenderness, stories of, like we mentioned earlier, of separation and stories of uh, survival and pioneership, pioneering a life in a new land even though it's a familiar land. And that's one of the things people don't understand uh, about uh, migrante familias, uh, immigrant familias, is that we're not coming to a new place. We are returning home. Uh, the United States is a homeland that we've been in uh, for many, many years and generations. But history is not uh, as important these days 
uh, as it, it really is. Uh, it's a history of all uh, Latin America. We've been moving up and down across this continent and across the waters. Uh, and uh, we have many homes. And they're deep homes, historical homes. And they're family trails. So we're following families. And we're also following the stories of families that are our maps. It's not just, uh, I want to go to the United States. It's, uh, I want to go to where one of my families um, have been. Mm-hmm. And uh, see, what, see, see what that life is. Because they told me a lot of stories about it. Or even further back in time, when we actually held rights to the land. Well, is there anything you would like to tell to our community of listeners all over the world? <laughs> hey, world. <laughs> <laughs> well, now's the time. You know, I, I also uh, uh, meet many uh, uh, places. I'm in many places. I've been in many places where um, there's refugee uh, centers, too. Mm-hmm. And migrant families and refugee families, and uh, all together in one place uh, in Manchester, uh, New Hampshire, in Boise, Idaho, and throughout the nation. And uh, uh, it's very important uh, that we uh, 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 give our uh, see see our families, our migrant families, and immigrant fa- uh, immigrant families and refugee families communities as uh, highly highly valuable, highly significant and beautiful uh, peoples uh, because they have the, uh, uh, they can tell us our own roots, where we come from. All these stories are stories of who we are. All the stories of uh, Africa or the stories of uh, Latino America, uh, of families that have lived in Latino America and have trekked to north. and, and their, the stories of, the, of their families, in particular family members, uh, women, men, children, uh, aunts and uncles, abuelitos, abuelitas, everything from um, songs to their life experiences. Uh, all of that uh, uh, gives us a sense of who we are. We have a sense of, uh, of being human beings, not just floating entities. Uh, out to uh, uh, to go to the shopping mall. <laughs> you know, we become human. Without uh, making connection with each other, uh, we will not become human. We will lose our humanity. Así es. Our history, ¿verdad? Our history, who we are as a people. Just a little platiquita en la tarde <laughs> is going to just a little talk, uh, in the, in the, uh, as the sun goes down, uh, hanging out together, uh, making, making uh, some, having some, some good soul food, um, and just, just naturally. The stories will happen naturally. Yeah. Okay, it's time to tell stories. It's not like that. It just, they just happen. And then you start, you begin to soften. Your, your mind begins to loosen up, your heart begins to, to dance a little bit, and all of a sudden you're, you're back, in, you're back uh, in the land of the heart, in the world of heart. And uh, it's, uh, it's a good thing. And it, it's, it's happiness. It spells happiness. Yeah. 
not conflict or violence. Thank you so much for being with us today here in Biblio Observatory. It's been a great pleasure. Yes, thank you again for sharing your stories with us today, and thank you to our listeners. You can find Biblio Observatory on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so send us your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Biblio Observatory is a collaborative literacy initiative to connect our communities and children with the joy of listening, reading, and writing those memories from childhood that changed our lives. Thanks for listening. <laughs>